you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. There's Alan. Here we go. Okay. Woohoo. Got some uh, Northern Lights up for us today. Ms. Colleen and I still have not seen these, but that's definitely on our bucket list. We And actually, Colleen and I were just talking about that the other day, how... Their bucket list is such a handy term, and it really didn't exist until that movie. People used really? to talk about a life list and various other ways of things to do before you die. But bucket list is just such a nice condensed yeah. distillation of it before you kick the bucket. It's even got like colloquialism built into it and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and, and I've tried to live that way, especially with my kids. But man, even with all the stuff I tried to do with my kids... There's so many things I'm like, oh, we didn't do this. Or, and even sometimes simple little things. Like last night, I was playing rock band for the first time in a long time. And I'm okay. like, man, I really wish we had played rock band a little bit more. But just okay. little things like that. Yeah. It, it's funny. When, uh, when I first sat down to do one, it was so easy to come up with 100 things. Honestly, it wasn't two or three or and and most of it was places to travel to you know what i mean i'm really hungry to see more of the world and more specifically when you read travel books about oh here's an active volcano here's the painted not desert but actually like mountains that have striation with colors in them and stuff like that it's like i'd love to stand on this ridge and look at that and see this beautiful stuff and but also colleen and i have said we've done so much cool travel and been around mostly the united states not yet Europe, Australia, other places we want to go. But at this point, the bucket list isn't a, a have to do. It's more like everything is bonus. You know what I mean? There's things that are on the top that are, for instance, I really want to go to Iguazu Falls. You know what I mean? It's that it's right on the border of Argentina and Brazil, I think. It's just a massive amount of water and noise and power and stuff. And somehow I just want to be in the middle of that and just overwhelmed by it. If I don't go, it'll be okay. <laughs> right. It'd be nice to, and this is no substitute and no way am I condoning, Hey, just do this. But there's a, an app on the head Oculus headset called wander, which is connected to Google earth maps. And you can pick a place and go to it and scroll around and look, it's not perfect. It's not 3d. It's a flat map, yeah. but right. like we were on it with my cousin and it's, Oh, this is what the state looks like standing in the middle of the Amazonian jungle. See, so honestly, how cool is that? That's one of the modern technology has given us so much more than go to the library, look it up in a book. Even if it's an album sized book, I got a 15 by 15 inch picture of something that isn't anywhere near what you can do with right. Oculus, like you were saying, to give you the immersive experience. And even if it isn't the smell of it and the noise of it in the jungle, obviously it's, Second, and there's little twitters and all kinds of slithery noises and stuff like <laughs> right. that but just to not be i don't know i should look into that i really it, would love to be able a, to get a preview of what's right. like to be next to a pyramid 
You know yeah, what I mean? It, oh, we went to the pyramids. Giza was one of the first. That okay, of course. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's that first step. And for us to say, oh my gosh, this is great. But 20, 50, 100 years from now, when it's commonplace and it's holographic and you get smells and feels, when it's advanced beyond what we can even imagine, people are like, they thought that was cool, but it really is. And yeah, yeah. and uh, the thing I like to do, because now you can do panorama pictures with your phone and right. you can look at those on the Oculus. So places I've been, I'm back there. Yeah, we've not done enough of that. I've done things where I actually did, but back when you didn't, Apple had a stitching function in yes. photos. So you could really do, as long as you overlapped, it would figure that all out for you. And so I have a couple of things of where we were at Cedar Breaks or something like that. And it really was, I wanted to get the immersive, here we are on the top and there's beauty all around you. And here's the path that led up to it. It's like, well, that's pretty foreboding, actually. Look at what we did. That kind of right. thing. I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Not only the curated stuff that other people have had, but just us being willing to say, wow, we really have been some cool places. And here's yeah. the proof. Like, look at all around. And then there's my boots. That's me there. <laughs> you know right. I mean? now, so, I, now, it's not perfect. I know I've done a couple where the stitching that where it crosses around and uh, gets yeah. back. It's a little off. And it's probably from me gliding. As I, but it's mostly good enough for now. Mm-hmm. I will warn you, it doesn't work on the separated Oculus Quest headset. It has to be connected okay. to the computer. So it either has to be the Oculus Quest 2 connected to the computer or a Rift headset, which is always connected to the computer. It won't work standalone. Thank so. you. Before I attempt it, I'll make sure that I have the necessary equipment to give me the good result and stuff it, like that. I sure don't want it to be great. Now I got nothing but stuttering. And I know that your, your brain catches things together. We don't see continuously. We see in saccades where it takes sampling like snapshots and stuff like that but we're wired so that we don't notice uh, unless you, un- until you get that that they play with persistence of vision we've long learned how to do that 24 frames per second whatever we do for video games or movies or something like that, that's where you get to seamless instead of stutter so you can play with it you can play with how you're right. what we know about our brain's Optical algorithms illusions. you know yeah. and, and, and i'd really like to meet my uh fill-in artist in my head because that's how they do a lot of the great cartoons <laughs> this guy draws this frame and draws this frame and then they give it to flunkies to fill in the the movement right. in between they do all the connections exactly <laughs> there's some poor little guy in my head going ah! <laughs> and, in fact so we just Kylie and i just recently talked that's why we both got new phones you know what i mean we finally had Ooh. where the the old phone was just enough like um dropping calls not just glitchy enough and, and we as we you and i have laughed about we get a lot of use out of our technology i'm not at eight and nine and 10 and 11, I just made the jump from eight to 13. Right, you know what right. I mean? So there's been all kinds of temptations that have come along. There's, oh, I could use that. But one of the cool things is now that you've got the new phone, man, it really is five generations of stuff is enough to notice differences. I was oh, yeah. uh, at the comic con that is um, Fan Expo, and I was taking pictures of the cosplay as they go across the stage. And in the past, if I didn't get them to stop and pose, and, and my sync with that, then that's how I got a good picture. Otherwise, everything else had a blur because they turned or just it didn't come into focus quickly enough for me to capture it. The way cameras work nowadays, from what I understand, is they don't just take a picture when you hit the button. They're continually sampling images. And then when you hit the button, they say, okay, take the three or five images that are right around that in time 
and do all that interesting statistical interpolation so that it puts together a great combined image. Yeah. And so I got, as if I was Mr. Professional Photographer with all the lenses and all that kind of stuff, the best set of pictures I've ever had from being four rows back. My usual, I wasn't you know, right at the front, but just that no motion blur, no, I didn't have to be as careful. It fixes all those contingencies. And, yeah. so I, and they're great in low light. And this might have also been that there's specific lights on stage, but it's not evenly lit. So the cameras come to figure all that out so that you don't get some part of the costume lost in shadow, if you will. So I'm all about that. Instead of going old school where I have to learn all about how all that works, F-stop and, and Our oh, yeah, AI stop. overlords like that. It, I, and it might be, am I getting a real image or am I getting a even better than real, hyper yeah. real, you know, perfect real image? And, but that's okay. Why do I take these pictures so I can sell them to a magazine so that I can have a good image to reminisce by? You know what I mean? And they do the things now where they focus on the main thing and blur the rest out. And they get yeah, samples like so you get a little bit of a 3D effect. And the, mine will do what they call a single take, where it really does nine seconds of photos, but you get a black and white, you get a widescreen, you get a focus, and it's pick what you want. And it's mm-hmm. holy crap. <laughs> Exactly. It's the fact you're just looking at the back of the camera and seeing that it's got not only three lenses, but other light sensors and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah, I got that thing, too. Yeah, it being that miniaturized that it really has changed the world, obviously, with everybody has a phone, everybody has the ability to take pictures. So everybody captures news, everybody captures like amazing once in a lifetime type things or crimes or whatever else it might be. It's a little bit weird because it can also be very intrusive. Yeah. But I love the fact that we're now getting, wow, I, it used to be you had to be right at the wild park, right at the right moment to see a giraffe give birth or something like that. And nowadays, it seems that there's tons of those things because with everybody having a phone, the, the number of minions that you have out gathering all those images, we're blanketing the world with yeah. awareness of what goes on every day. Which has led to some really good modern sci-fi stories (laughs) that take advantage of that. But it's also what you just said uh, and what we were talking about with the Oculus. Oh, man, the giraffe gave birth today. Put on the Oculus, and there you are. 3D, you're walking around in the virtual world. Exactly that, yeah, yeah. Not not, That would be my first choice. I grew up in farm country. It's not much different than a cow. So seriously. <laughs> I, I get it came to mind because I've seen that and I was aware of, wow, I don't know that everybody in the world, like by far, they don't get to see this. Right. You really have to be right at the zoo or right in the wild at exactly the right time to catch it. And I, I some part of how Colleen and I have talked about travel lately has not only been places to go, but also events. We don't want to just go to the desert. I want to go there when the tarantula migration is happening and see a carpet of spooky moving spiders. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and there's festivals, you know, where they have the little boats floating on the river, and it's like Venetian nights, and they're all lit up. And obviously, my, what's behind me, the northern lights don't wait for you to come see them. You actually have to get the reports of the ionization of the atmosphere and right. be in Iceland, Norway, or by luck, where it pushes down into. Northern Michigan, Northern Minnesota, or New York, or whatever else it might be. And any number of times, Colleen and I have been really tempted to be like, oh, it's like an eight-hour drive, but we still haven't seen the Northern Lights. Let's make a weekend out of it. Let's go up to, and we'll get some pasties. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll do something with it. I like that. The 
I don't like it where if people are living through their camera instead of actually being there. But for my having said, the miracle of catching a, a giraffe giving birth or something like that, I don't know. I've never seen a picture of fireworks that captures it as good as being in the fireworks. Right. But I can take 100 pictures and it still won't be the cascade of light and boom and all that kind of stuff. So there's been any number of times where I've, I capture a picture of concert so that I can prove I was there, a little reminiscing photo and stuff. Right. Mostly my camera is down. I'm right. not trying to Enjoy capture it. my thing of any song being played. Uh, it, it really is. Wow. Please, everybody, everybody put your phones down. Believe me, this experience is better than anything you're going to capture from it. I okay. Think. So two <laughs> things. One, sometime I'm saying we're going to have the ability for like multiple drones to be in the air recording uh, a fireworks show that then the AI is going to stitch it together and you can float through the fireworks. Simulate that, it well. That'll come. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm tr- but here's another thing to entice Al, which I think you'll appreciate. There's an app on the Oculus that musicians, bands go, they work with. You have to pay for it, but it's experiences of concert. But it's not so you can walk around, but you have a choice of 12 different places you can be. Stage front, center, back up right. in the nosebleeds, stage, stage left behind yeah. the drummer and you can switch <laughs> while they're playing and you're listening to this concert you look up and you're looking up into their nose oh my gosh i'm that yeah. close to eddie vetter so i know a lot of people are like oh i wouldn't want to see a concert that way but concerts get really expensive and there's a lot of people i'm probably not going to see i oh ten dollars to see foo fighters because hey i missed them and their drummer died and i don't know if i'll ever get to see them now okay see, i'll do that boy. That's true. Now that's artifacts of time. You know what I right. mean? It's not a place to go to, but it definitely, boy, we're feeling that. We just missed the cruise to the edge because we were worried about COVID and, and a cruise ship is pretty much a floating Petri yeah. dish. You know what I mean? There's hardly ever, I know that people got off and they had a set of people that got the, the thing and got isolated and it wasn't the whole boat. But the reason for saying that is there's um, 35, 40 bands on the boat and that set of bands will never be together again. And so much prog rock, my heroes, they're aging. Yes is not what it once was. We've had a couple, at least one depth and one person that really can't play as he once did. And same with Genesis and same with ELP, two deaths out of three. I only have E left out of ELP. You know <laughs> what I mean? So the we're seeing, given the opportunity, those more than ever, because as our heroes are aging and dying, you won't get a chance. You might be able to see Queen with Adam Lambert, but it sure ain't Freddie Mercury. And right. so maybe the things that were captured, that perfect Wembley Stadium show, or what you're saying, where they plan on capturing it. So you really have that full experience of, I want to watch Keith Emerson's hands while he plays. I want to see miraculous, virtuoso musicianship being done. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't do a lot of that. I tend to like the concert experience so much that I don't try to capture it at home. But maybe there will be what you're saying breakthrough of okay this really was worth when i've seen a concert film and they actually do the backstage of the talking heads chatting right. the show and and alice cooper and whoever else they've made good frank Snappa did a couple videos of before the band goes on and all the kind of fun chatter between the right, musicians right. So often it, it just i like that because it widens the experience it's not just the music it's all what goes into it that kind yeah. of thing i'm not gonna get to see zeppelin at their height or the beatles but if they had the technology then 
and I could sit down and, and experience it as much as I really could. What about a hundred years from now? Everybody we like that we listen to, they won't be able to experience at all. But my great grandkids, that'd be so cool that they could say, oh, here's a concert, like the Cleveland Rush concert. I didn't get to go to it. And I really wanted to. They have a video. Oh, okay. But how much cooler would it be to be some virtual reality thing? And even better that my great grandkids say, oh, yeah, my great grandfather was in the audience. This, there's, there's definite benefits. A lot of people think, oh, I'd rather go to a real concert and spend money. You're right. But again, if I could spend 10, 20 bucks to see the Beatles and be that close and watch them play. Instead of $170 show, I can get yes. seven $10 shows with slightly the lesser because it's only the TV instead of the live and stuff. Right. But I am omnivorous enough that I'd love to be able to see things right. I never got a chance to see. You know, and it's also, it isn't only that people are dying. It's just that some people have never been prolific in their touring. So for instance, I, I, the ones that got away for me, again, bucket list things, I've never seen Manfred Mann's Earth Band live. And I don't know that anybody cares about them as much as I do, but I love like four of their albums in a row is perfect artists at the height of their powers collection of songs and blinded by the light and spirits in the night. And uh, I, without roaring silence, the whole album is just I, every time I listen to it, I'm like, let's hear that again, because it's just so good. You know what I mean? Pick the so, needle up. Right? <laughs> yeah. If I had a chance to like, if someone had captured those things and I had a chance to right. see, I never saw Queen Live with Freddie Mercury. I never saw Man for Man's Earth Man. I, I have seen all the who I saw with Led Zeppelin. I've seen all kinds of other bands that now have disbanded or died or whatever else it might be. I hope that there really are things like when we watch the Beatles documentary about the making of let it be right concert, get yeah. back exactly that. And I just, it was really cool. You really had to be a Beatles fan for some of it because it was long. It really captured all kinds of backstage stuff, but to see them play live and to see them like getting along, still loving each other. It really was the best time for them. So. Oh, I bet. I, and and what about seeing the Beatles when they were still playing little clubs before they broke out? Like Think that, about exactly. all the bands yeah. that are playing right now, touring their asses off, that if they recorded this show, maybe we're not going to buy it now, but 10 years from now, we're, oh my gosh, that was them when they were like 17, just learning to tune a guitar. Exactly. Let's, let's see that. Again, it's all that historical thing. And I've talked about, I think it'd be great to be able to wear AR headsets walking around town and see overlays of what it looked like 150, you know, whatever years ago. Exactly. I think Interesting. that'd be so cool. Yeah. It's, I, we probably have both been to any number of concerts that were like, man, I, I saw like Los Lobos in a bar. I saw the Rolling Stones in a bar after right. one of their big shows, you know, with Muddy Waters. And I'm sorry, not was it Muddy Waters? No, it was, um, sorry, a whole bunch of Chicago luminaries. I think it was Muddy Waters because they did the work and they did. And so certain of my experiences are, and, and maybe we've laughed about this, they're indelibly branded on my brain, even though I then realized later from having seen a captured video that I was wrong about the song right. order, wrong about who was playing on what song. But having said that, it really makes a big impression when it's like, oh, we're, we're about to go see Melissa Etheridge this summer at Kane Park. I loved her for a long time. I remember seeing her when I knew nothing about her. She was like the opening act for Rick Springfield or something like that wow. at Poplar Creek in Chicago. And, and one of those people like, I'm buying the album. Like you never heard of them before. But they made such a, they were so good from the start. And so I, I know that I'm going to get a chance to come full circle. This is going to be like 40 years later. And her voice will have changed a little bit. But 
he's now got an even greater oeuvre of songs that will be really fun right. to be able to like, I've missed you, Melissa. You know what I mean? I, I was an early supporter. That right. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's changing. I, that's one of the things I, I always love looking at, like the, the VR. What new experiences? Not even so much the gaming anymore, but what cool new technology things are they doing? Exactly. Yeah. And especially, I, mean, yeah, I guess we are talking, that's exactly what should be being captured, is that instead of it being the only people that could see it were the thousand ticket holders that night. Let's call it 100,000 in the stadium. That's still out of a city of 7 million. That's not, that's far from everyone. And in that point of time, it's far from everyone. And so it's very cool to be able to capture those things so that they're not just lost in the midst of time, not just tears and rain. It, that it's really cool that we've got the ability to go back and appreciate right. those if we can. Now, yeah. see, back in the day when things were just starting to ramp up, I, I said, you know what? Movie theaters and movie makers, producers, whatever companies, they need to like offer, I can buy this ticket and go see the movie, but what if I paid $20 more and when I came out, I got the DVD right away? Or they what if it was once or twice? Exactly. Yeah. That's or what? Or ne- and then it became the streaming. I think there was some movies where you could buy a ticket and get the streaming two weeks earlier than everybody else. You know, that type of thing. I'm like, like that. why? Aren't, why aren't there more of these things? How much harder yeah. could it really be? But they're so worried about pirating or word leaking out. But come on, we've got spoilers. We got people sitting in the theaters with their really cool cameras recording <laughs> Blu-ray quality. <laughs> Or it's all digital. You get that sneaky little kid that hooks up a portable drive and copies the file over in the theater. Oh, he's in there for 30 seconds. No one even knows he did it. But they're so worried about this stuff. But I I would do something like that. Oh, I got the movie early. I paid for it. I helped support it. It's mine. Whatever. I'll tell you, I just had a little commentary about are we going to live an evidence-based life? Are we going to make a decision and then collect evidence to support whatever we think? Because so much of the world is like that now. You know, and there's so much ideology. And, and to get away from all the crazy politics and stuff, just about something like this, about copy protection, there were some people that were sure that if you allow free things, that they will, you're stealing money from the artist. We're not maximizing value, et cetera, et cetera. But there was another side that said, we looked at the numbers and when you make these things available, people sample and they do go out and buy the album or they go and right. buy more albums because they had more of a chance to convince themselves the TikTok of being that I had to pre-commit that I'm going to love it when I buy it. And so whoever were on each side of that, they finally found, uh, who, how are we going to do this? How about a dollar a song? That'll be enough to do sampling where I'm not breaking the bank. And maybe if I want to go to the album, then I'll give them a little discount from the album. And so now we, and, and maybe now we've swung the pendulum a little bit further where from what i understand spotify you can have all the music you ever want as a consumer but the artists are getting micro pennies on each of those listens and so i don't know that i want the middleman to be the one making the most money i want the artists to and i want it to be available to me for a reasonable price and so i was hoping that the world would come to that the middleman would be just They'd be the ones making micro pennies, but micro pennies on billions of listens is still good money. I don't want them to be the gatekeepers. I don't want them to be the, the rapacious hoarders right. of content. And we go back to the whole God, the studio system where people would make a fantastic album. And then three years later, they'd finally get money because you know, all those charges for studio time and for promotion and stuff, record companies were insidious in how they did it so that the artists got nothing. 
next to nothing if they signed the wrong contract. He's one of those bands that like early on said, I'm just not going to operate like that. Tom Petty was another where they just kind of, they told the studios, this is, it's so, it's so not a good deal that you're asking me to be stupid and self-sacrificing and to do this. And so King Crimson, for instance, has been recording their stuff for their own issuance for a long time. And so I'm, I'm just so happy to get the little snapshots of this was a, a great show in Chicago in that year. And it was exactly this band. They've had changes in personnel. Do you want to catch what do you want the Adrian Ballou years? Do you want the Marco Miniman years? Do you want the, anyway, it's, I love that some bands have Marillion have been early on saying, we're going to take on the additional risk and get the additional reward. Right, we're going to have right. a one-to-one relationship with our fans instead of going through one, two, three middlemen. I know a lot of people are like, oh, the technology's ruining it. Spotify's ruining it. But I'm always more of the positive. Let's see what, what opportunities are. There's so many opportunities now that I think people miss. And this applies. I, I see this in book publishing a lot. But like with music, okay, great. I can go to Spotify and listen to whatever this new band I discovered. They have three albums on there. Oh, but wait. If I go to their homepage, they have deluxe versions of those albums with three extra songs on each one. And oh, wait, they're coming to town. And if I get a ticket, I can pay 10 more dollars and get a QR code to get a recording of that concert I went to. And oh, wait, I can go to Patreon. And every month they do a live thing on YouTube that you can attend only at Patreon. There are ways. Yes, it is work. But honestly, have you ever heard of a band that didn't say, I worked my ass off? Only. The, the boy <laughs> bands or the the girl singers that they get promoted because they look good and whatever. Yeah, those. Right. But the real bands that we listen to, they went out, they practiced, they worked their ass off. Guns and Roses, for what, two years, they all lived in one little apartment. And they would sell instruments to have food on Monday and then go buy instruments back on Hop Friday back, to practice exactly. all weekend. So <laughs> did that... There's other things that can be done. It's just a matter of a little more thinking and work. And the same with the book publishing. There's a lot of people I hear everything's going through Kindle Unlimited. I don't make any money. It's not worth it. It's not great. Don't write because I have ideas of things I want to do. Less competition there. I, you just, I'm sure everybody makes the best of the situation that they can. They optimize. They go to where, you know, it might be that the initial connection is through Kindle or something like that, but then they do have, they put the work in to have their own webpage and all those extras and establish a relationship where I, I regularly, wow, so many that it's work to keep up with all the people I like reading and listening to and, and that kind of stuff. And, yeah. You know, and, and, and a little bit of guilt of, wow, I already bought my four albums for the month. I kind of, it's, I'm going to have to let you go. Or I'm going to put you on my, maybe one day list and and this is kind of wow sadly there's all kinds of people that are willing to do all that work but you know what they're not the best music they really are hungry and they're willing to do all the work and yet and so i want to support that i want to support i acknowledge your work ethic and yet as a comedian i don't need you to be great about social media i need you to be funny yeah I need you to be where i want to have your album and listen to it more than once we just went to the Rubber City Comedy Festival this weekend in Akron. No name comics, and, and maybe there are in this world of you can be a name comic if you're only on YouTube. If you are, but there's all kinds of alternate ways right. of getting through besides being on Johnny Carson or performing at Playhouse Square. 
But having said that, my radar for comedy is pretty wide and maybe deep. And yet most of these folks I had never heard of. And without being a jerk, it showed. They, we probably saw 40 different comedians over the course of the weekend. And everybody had the, all the um, starters, each had 10 minutes each, and then there was a headline. And I'll tell you, even the headliners were not like the funniest guys of the night. The very last one, Riccadonna, Michael, Mike Riccadonna was solid, and I would go pay more to see him. Whereas every single one of the headliners before that, they were still rough. They didn't have the people who had the tight 10, that good 10-minute burst of stuff, and then you work to 20 and 30 so you can be the opening act and all. There's a whole hierarchy and ladder of comedy. There are some people that they don't have the material, they don't have the stage polish. And wow, when we saw people on more than one night, and this is a big thing for us, that they actually didn't only have 10 minutes of material. They did different sets. And some people went up, and the first time you saw them, they were seemingly in tune with the audience, working with them, ranting about things. And then when you see them do exactly that same thing two nights later, it's, wow, that was all fake. All that, like, getting feedback from the audience and letting it build how you're going to go on your rant, that instead it's this choreographed, well-written, the outrage was written. That's always a little, eh, that's so false. (laughs) It really is things that are worth being outraged about. And yet, I just, I don't get much out of a only repeated show. I really like it where... They're seeing what works, and they're maybe choosing amongst their material instead of just reciting. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, that being back to, I don't know, most of them weren't like, and hey, I have a CD on sale, or hey, you can catch me on, I I will go look at comedy dynamics or various different places that they mentioned, because I kind of like seeing people that were early in their career and then got better and better. A, A local comedian, Mary Santora, is going to be there in June, like headlining, for maybe the first time there, I think she might have already headlined at Hilarities, but we've seen her where she really was rough, young, and not the greatest material. But then you could see how she would throw out the jokes that weren't working, or throw out the jokes that were going to keep her from all the clubs because they were a little too sweary or a little bit, I don't know, there's rules of comedy. You know, right. you talk about poo-poo. You know what I mean? Even if you have the best poo-poo jokes in the world, that's just not the funniest you can be. That's six-year-old humor in a lot of ways <laughs> and and so i'm looking forward i love when i see my friends succeed the jim twos and the mary santoras and the bill squires that have gotten better and better as we've been seeing that's cool you still have to work on your craft i know in the book thing it's similar you get these people going well should i advertise here should i put my book up here should i do this should i try and get a i'm like oh, okay well, how many books you got out well i'm still working on my first one oh, okay finish three books first you got to work on your craft. You still have to get people interested before any of that other stuff works, yeah. you know, which is the comedy fest. That's great for that because you exactly. can hear, like you, you said, time. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's who I liked. Here's who I didn't. I went, I took my daughter to a music thing. It was a band she was really into. I wasn't as much, but the first of three opening acts, I really liked. I'm like, these guys are good. And I looked them up and I listened to more. The other acts, even the headliner, I was like, eh, these aren't my thing. But the first ones I really like. It's good to open sometimes. (laughs) It really is. We tend, like, what we were comparing it to is we not only have been to Cleveland's and Akron's, we've been to, like, the Toronto one. We're going to the Montreal one. And a lot of times we're we're seeing the headliners. We're seeing Bill Burr and folks that we already know a lot about. But all the club shows, what we really love is finding someone new that we knew nothing about 
and they're already so good that you're just delighted in the discovery. You know what I mean? We, I, and, and sometimes, because like Toronto is close enough to Cleveland, that we've seen any number of people that we discovered at the Toronto Festival, and then they come through Cleveland, and we're like, well, we're going for sure. In fact, let's tell all of our friends. We have to make sure that they know. Right. I, I guess I still love that discovery. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of, a lot of people have this. You like being the guy in the know. You like being the one to say, oh, if you haven't seen this movie, you got to see it. You're the, uh, the pathfinder to guide other people to good stuff. And, and once in a while, I must admit, it amazes me when I hear somebody like make a recommendation and we saw them and they suck. What did you find in them that you're actually recommending them? You're putting your reputation on the line for someone that I thought was fair to middling at best. <laughs> and yet people, of course, have different tastes and stuff like right. that. And I, sometimes it's the night, the, the venue or the, the band changed just they, they got rid of that guitarist that just didn't fit and got someone yeah. different, just one little thing and bam, there exactly. you go. We have indeed seen that you know, where we see people like three nights apart. It's wow. Something happened between there. They were so much better the second time they were more comfortable in the venue or they were just, it was a Saturday night where there's crowd energy instead of a Wednesday night where it's like, Oh, we're just going to get through this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I, we, I don't know. Did you see uh Dr. Strange yet? You mentioned, movies yes we, we played hooky on friday afternoon oh, okay. and, and it's kind of funny uncharacteristically i wasn't there at like the very first show i could see i think they already had thursday shows at 7 p.m used to be had to go to the midnight, midnight one yeah. you know, that's how they by 1201 they could be by law of moviedom you have to go on yeah. a friday black friday I, affected movies i've stopped i just for instance i don't want to compete with all the other people vying for first because right. i don't really care about that as much i don't want to be elbow to elbow in a covid environment i don't want to be with the, the, I don't know, I'm a fan for sure, but I don't want to be with the fanatics all the time. Sometimes it's really cool to go to the show where, oh, people dressed up and they're really into it and they get every reference. And I love that. But once in a while, I just want to go see the movie for the movie and not be part of an experience. So we went to a matinee on Friday at the Capitol Theater instead of a big megaplex. And it went, the Capitol Theater still has the great screen, the great sound. Right. So it was really an enveloping experience. And I really love, but this is one of those movies where I was aware that because I've read so many comics and got so many of the references they were making by it being the multiverse, I'm pretty sure that I enjoyed it more than Colleen just because it was a delight to say, oh, that's the Illuminati reference, but it's not exactly the Illuminati. Right. And it's its own beast. Exactly. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, and it's amazing looking. They have done such great things with special effects nowadays. There's there. They're, they're was... fleeing through universe, through dimension. It's yeah. funny. I still use the term dimension because I'm more comfortable with that. You know, the whole universe is way big. But anyway, different vibratory plane, however you want to term it, where they're busting through half a dozen in a row. And they have just enough in each of those slivers to say, oh, that's a water world. Oh, that's where everything is colored. And they were creative and perfect and how they portrayed those things that you got this burst of wow that's there really is an incredible infinite diversity and infinite combinations in all these universes yeah. and stuff like that and so seamless it wasn't like oh i can see the glow of the green screen around the edges of them because they haven't <laughs> figured out how to do it yet it and and let me step away from dr strange for a moment we saw a trailer for the next avatar movie the way of water if i remember correctly yes and I'm looking forward to it, but I got to tell you, I saw the first Avatar movie like 
three times, I think, you know, twice and then once in 3D because I was so overwhelmed by all the cool stuff he had done. And I was just waiting to be impressed and enveloped. I don't know what he's done in this next movie, but special effects have really caught up to the miracles he was working then. And unless he's pulled off another miracle of being light years ahead and even more immersive and et cetera, et cetera, I've got a feeling I'm not going to be as impressed because there's so many great special effects movies out nowadays where it's seamless and it's beautiful. And the imagination of someone, I made something that doesn't exist look real you know what i mean a frond world the jungle it doesn't have our jungle plants but has anyway it i'm i'm a little worried about avatar because i think that that the world is caught up and it won't be impressive (laughs) honestly i really never cared for the avatar movie back in the day it was plot not great it was no that's what really set it apart was it looked fantastic and light years ahead of what other things were at the time and i think it was really the first big 3d movie and looking like that that people were just overwhelmed and filmed in 3d so you really had things floating out from the screen not just that would you like some pancakes and it It had depth not just trickery for 3d exactly yeah and i think that's what really made people go my god that was so fantastic what was the story about i'm not sure but it looked so really that's what it was and I'm watching that trailer and I'm going, yeah, if I don't see that, I'll be okay. And I, I asked Colin, I said, okay, based on that trailer, what the heck is the conflict? What's the story? He's like, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> my, my guess is it's going to be a continuation of the first one where it's ecological conflict, but colonialism right. thing, uh, raping the environment, taking resources. Type so thing. it's going to be and the same be story instead of land. It might be a little repeat. My, we'll my, see. My other uh, buddy Lee, has done other good things. You know, Terminator and other things. I'm I'm waiting to see if he can pull off a good story yes. as well as this amazing special right. effect. My my buddy on the other side of me leaned over when that was playing. He goes, "Yeah, I think I liked it better when they called it Fern Gully." Ah, <laughs> you know, so exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, they've been able to do those things as you, in animation for a long time. Like when we went to see How to Train Your Dragon, and they had the swooping dragon flying scenes and all kinds of stuff. Was, wow. I know it's only animation, but that's pretty convincing. I was yeah. getting the stomach lurch as you go over a cliff <laughs> and stuff like that, right. you know? So. Right. So, but I loved Doctor Strange. His costume was so good. And yeah. he looked, and and Wanda, with her and everything, the magic, when the the I'm not going to step away, but the one scene where things changed, and it's like, wow, that looked really cool. We're going to go see it again tonight in 3D. So ah, it was interesting. good enough to I go might see do that it on my own. I don't think Colleen would be up for that, but I might go do that because not only because I want to see it in 3D, but also because there's so much going on. Yeah. And I know that I didn't get everything. And so already I've been not trying to read about every single Easter egg and every single story. Right. But I'd like what I thought was what an incredible opening of the marvel universe they've done they've just brought in so many possibilities and i'm not sure that i like all of it because i don't mind there being like one true history i'm not sure that everything has to be yeah. oh, 17 versions of doctor strange and of the scarlet witch and of captain america for that matter and which that was great right that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I my i when i did my little review on facebook one of the things i didn't was so when they first revealed the Illuminati, that these are really the guys that are running the whole Marvel universe from behind the scenes because they're the smartest or they're the most futuristic or they're the most ruthless or whatever else it might be. 
And to bring them into this movie and then to have them so quickly dispatch, it was, I guess that shows off someone who has a lot of power and it shows off the alternate versions that might have been involved in this. But I thought it gave that whole concept of the Illuminati incredible short shrift. Like the whole point of what they do is they foresee things. They're very right. future, much futurist. They would have seen what happens if the Scarlet Witch with all of her hex unreality powers comes in. Wouldn't they have said, luckily we accounted for it with the Zappo. I, I, I think uh, from a story standpoint, the reason they did that was like, here is the most powerful people that we can get in this multiverse. And she took them out because she couldn't go no more mutants. <laughs> that didn't right, exist. So right. they had to find some other big, <laughs> powerful thing for her. That's yeah. the thing I, you know, can see. But again, I, I know Colin said a lot of people are complaining because of certain people in that Illuminati getting killed. But he said, folks, it's a multiverse. That was the point. <laughs> There's an infinite bin of replacements right outside the dimension yes. that's ready to step in. And yes. now they know, don't let that happen. You know what I mean? And Captain and Marvel. That wasn't who we're looking forward to. Huh. I know the comic books aren't real, and they're not really serious. Necessarily, well, comic books are real. That. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the things that's weird is when you have the multiverse, like people talked about this for a long time, whether death was permanent or not. In the DC universe, they had all kinds of people that went away, and then somehow they found a way to bring them back as if it was only an imaginary story, as if it, was, it wasn't really Lightning Lad that died, it was Prody, and all that kind of stuff. But in the Marvel Universe, they really had a number of people die, like the original Captain Marvel, not the big red cheese, but the Kree warrior. And, and it seemed to then have more weight than it really was. It was a life or death struggle, and they died. And there's really repercussions. There's echo effects of all the people that are bereft by that tragedy and that kind of stuff. And now they've undone that. When you die, like you just said, We'll be seeing Professor X again because there's an infinite number of Professors X that might be just coming to, and they've done that for a long time now in comics. They had the original X-Men come back to be in modern times and actually get trapped here. So you get a chance to deal with what would the 60s X-Men do with the 2000 world and all that kind of stuff. And, and I like the craft and the ingenuity that goes into some of those stories. But in some cases, I really think you've just made that it, now it doesn't have any weight that one particular right. penny got thrown away and there's a sea of other pennies that you can substitute easily with slight variations this one's angry or this one's green this one's but that i i miss that there was one continuity and that yeah had real life implications if you will it, and i'm still getting my mind around that I so so you get people going of a single reality i guess right. I'll, I'll have to see how i deal with it. So you got all the people now going, oh, so Iron Man Tony can come back. And oh, when Guardians comes out, we're going to get a different Gamora, but it'll be the same people. And I totally understand that. But I also like to see change. I like to see a progression. I'm right in that same like conflicted way. Show me what you can do. It'll be like anything else. Sturgeon's Law is 90% of everything is crap. And so we're going to get a whole bunch of stories that were like, what a great concept to have multiple universes. And what did you do? You piddled around that this guy wins the Scrabble game and this guy, in this universe, he loses it. It has to be something that there's portent to it, that there's, you know, a depth to the three Spider-Men meeting each other in No Way Home. And, and that was handled very well because of this, the amazingness 
wow, I guess I'm not just me. The I, amazing I, <laughs> and the spectacular. <laughs> like that. And, and, and there must be. So off the top of my head, what are some of the plots where someone really made a big mistake and they've just killed their life? They've been so depressed and so maybe trying to make up for it. And then they find out that there is a universe where that they didn't make the mistake and that they want to go be in that universe and be free of all this guilt and all this horror. I could see how people would be like, well, I kind of want to take that guy's place. Are they really going to kill themselves? Are there others? I can think of immediately big plots where it's like, I don't know, when the Black Harry and Nary came over from Earth 2 to Earth 1 because her husband had been killed, and I'm going way back in JLA lore now, there's always been, because DC had early on, they not only had Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth, uh, the crime syndicate world, etc., they actually had displacement of those people. And they really did deal in a good angsty way with the people that were like, this is a world, but it's not my world. What if you're Hyperion and your whole universe got destroyed and you're the sole survivor? Talk about survivor guilt and things like that. So they've had good examples in both Marvel and DC. And I guess I'm, I don't know how many more stories of that they can tell. Are there really that many Batmen that we're now going to have to deal with? Which ones are the most brooding? <laughs> Which ones have had more Robins die? You know what I mean? It's, I'm hoping they don't have to keep upping the ante and thinking that heightening is the only way to go. There really could be subtle differences and that they actually are like, wow, who's my best friend? A guy just like me. You know what I mean? And right. we get together and have a Memorial Day picnic because nobody understands us as best, as good as you and I do. So we'll it, see. I hope they don't use the multiverse to bring back people that they've killed off or to keep characters going. Oh, we killed them off. Oh my gosh. Okay, we'll bring them back. Oh, we we killed them. Don't yeah. please don't do that. Please keep a plan with Kang and whatever's going on in the fracturing of the multiverse. With the time variance authority and Loki yeah. and Kang and all the stuff that this was tangential, connected to without being it's it's obvious that there's going to be now conflict on that basis. And who's yeah. the next big bad in the Marvel universe? Not right. that we've used up Thanos and Ultron, it might be Kang, but it might right. be that. It's not all the Kang. It's the particularly megalomaniac version of Kang. And there's right. actually some that are the reformed Kang. And the Kang is also Ramatut and Scarlet Centurion. And there's right. all kinds of other versions of Kang because that's what you get with time travel is you get an <laughs> infinite number of possibilities. And this obviously is part of the whole big plan because you had Spider-Man, which broke things with Doctor Strange. And coming up, we got Ant-Man and Wasp in the quantum mania. The quantum verse, exactly. Yeah, the so quantum mania, that's right. It's all connected out of who's around, Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. Those two, quantum era and how time works, and then the time stuff with Doctor Strange and breaking the universes, there's some good stuff that they could do, and Loki. So let's right. not just go back to what we've already done. It's a risk. Because people want, oh, I loved this. Let's do it again. It was so big and popular. But it usually isn't if you redo it. But yeah, if you take yeah. a chance, it's not always better. And people don't like it. I hope that they they just keep pushing to get better and bigger and more right. and different. I have a lot of confidence in Kevin Feige. And I hope yeah. I say his name right. Feige Feige. Feige, um, Feige. Because he really has guided so many movies to the best version they could be at the time of what's good about comic books and what's good about movies. And he hasn't slavishly followed the comics, but he also hasn't only 
I, I just really trust him. I trust his taste. Like we talked about before, I trust John Favreau over in the Star Wars universe that he really gets it. He really has internalized it. And he knows what a fan would want to see. Right. He tells a good story and all the kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to whatever happens in the Marvel Universe in Phase 4 and Phase 5, because there is still that interconnection. As usual, they have the little extra clips at the end of Doctor Strange, the third eye coming open. Oh, I shouldn't give a spoiler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we already talked about some people in Illuminati and people who died. So we'll put a big spoiler. Right. But uh, I know connected to this time frame for us, Moon Knight just ended. And I know a lot of people were complaining about Moon Knight because, well, it didn't yeah. have enough Moon Knight. It didn't have enough action. It didn't have enough powers and blah. But I give them so much kudos oh. for telling a different story, for really building this character. I hope they don't just let him die and be gone. I agree. I was as intrigued by this as I was with WandaVision, where you really don't know what's going on. It sure isn't a linear story, and it isn't only a comic book story. It really just was all about, what if it's not only us that don't know what's going on? What if it's the guy, the protagonist, the one that's in the middle of the story that isn't sure what's going on? He doesn't know. Unreality doesn't have to come because there really are multiple dimensions. It really can be that your brain isn't like working and that your vision of reality is undependable. And then you actually, maybe it is happening that way. And I'm not just imagining things, but there's enough evidence each way that like, how do you continue to function? Because right. you're heroic, because you're stubborn, because you're, it's very interesting, the character study that they've done. This was much yeah. more of a, a character study than it was an adventure movie. You know and, what I mean? And so. people don't know Moon Knight. They needed that origin. I said this about Suicide Squad. Nobody knows who they are. They don't right. care. Right. You know? And then they're getting killed before you even get a chance to know them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. anyway. So, they Sorry, a Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, a whole it's kind premise. of built into the name. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying but, that someone might die out of right. something? <laughs> but uh, Moon Knight, I was hesitant. I'm like, because I knew they had to do a lot of explaining of the character. They had to build up the character to, to get this superhero into the universe and i'm like man they could really screw this up because it could suck it could be boring and they didn't i liked it it was good that was it the action pack that we saw from the first iron man and we're like oh my gosh that was so no but we're in different times if you want the action pack we've got those this is a little different right and that right. last episode layla with oh man and then when he got the thing and like whoosh, up and, and you saw the uh, moon behind them. I was like, "Oh, that was way cool." Well and done. Exactly. The Kaiju <laughs> battle of gods in the background while they're fighting in the city. That last episode gave everybody everything they wanted, but the story before that made important and made it worth watching. That's what people exactly. miss sometimes. I think what I'm liking is that instead of there being one Marvel way of writing something, they really are bringing in very good writers, maybe multiple writers, co-creators, directors that are running the whole thing. And they're allowed to have their own artistic vision. So it, like you said, it doesn't have to be a slugfest. doesn't have to be about technology. doesn't have to be only hewing to what we already know about Moon Knight. It's very cool to see that these things really do have different flavors. And if you want the gritty urban drama, you can go with Jessica Jones and that, that um, Defenders universe, if you will. If you want Cosmic, then you can go with the Avengers and the Katari. Right. Anyway. Uh, um, Shatari. Oh, that's Chitar us. The the Chitar scrolls, Chitar the scrolls Chitar are exactly. Titan this, Titan exactly. I remember yeah. that. So I I like that. That's what I've always liked about comic books is that I'm not just reading the same story over and over again. There is a substantial difference in reading a Hulk tale versus Thor tale versus X Men. You know what I mean? And and I like each of those things. Not that I just 
here's my one favorite and i just read these others so i don't lose track of stuff so i i, I am i did not go to free comic book day what, what was it like i I, oh. I haven't been to one in a while because well, this is a sad thing just a minute before you go on i'm not collecting currently and it breaks my heart to then go to a place where i'd be reminded of <laughs> oh, I just so much want all of this. I want every one of these comics, and I want to be reading them all. I got to tell you, when I get to my retirement and I really have a look at my money and I say, I could buy my $300, $400 of comic books a month so I get everything and read everything, and I won't go broke, I really might return to that. I got stopped it because I had to buy the house and get my Social Security and get everything right for me and Colleen's 401k and all that kind of stuff. But now that I, if I win that game and I'm ahead and I really won't run out of money, man, I would love to go back to that <laughs> world. And in fact, sorry, another minute. I saw, I'm seeing Doctor Strange was the second between her, him and the Scarlet Witch, also America Chavez. And I'm like, oh, I got only a glimmer. Wasn't she in the Young Avengers or something? She's big in the Marvel yeah, Universe she's now. Big she's a big old thing. But I do not have the last seven years of comic books in me. And it's just heartbreaking to be the guy that i have to say who's that about a marvel movie so anyway colin and i worked down at adam's store that day and i have been to free comic book day when colin was little where we showed up early uh this was pre-adam's store he didn't exist so we went up to kenmore comics john who i've been going to literally since the second year third year he was open so i've known him almost my whole life but we used to go up there, you'd get there, you'd stand in line, there'd be lines of people, it'd be packed inside yeah. and stuff. This was steady all day, but we never had the influx rush of people. I don't know if it's COVID, if it's people just not as interested or the word didn't get out or because the last two years got a little screwed up that people's rhythms and schedules were off. I'm not sure. We had a good time. Rack was there, he was drawing pictures. I was glad to see a lot of little kids come in, which was good. And we, we tried to talk to them and get, oh, you like, who do you, oh, you like Spider-Man. Okay. The elders guiding them yeah. to their next experience. Exactly. Yeah. And oh. one of my best, I didn't want to be the creepy old guy, but I was very <laughs> tempted. There is this mother that came in with a couple of kids and I just, I'm walking around the store. I'm looking around. I come around the corner and over by the rack of comics, there's this little girl, like four long hair but she grabs an archie and she's standing there flipping through archie and it was just the cutest thing and I, i'm like that's what this day is about america that's yeah america exactly that's great yeah, so Wonderful. it was a good day some good stuff i guess the judgment day with x-men and avengers that came okay. out everybody was hot for that okay. but there's i don't know free comic book day started as let's get comics into kids hands get them interested and it's turned into, hey, let's put a comic out with the first appearance of someone so that it becomes a big collector item be before it's even collector. on the shelf. Let's yeah. put variant covers that we're going to sell. So it lost a little bit of that for me. But all in all, it was a good day. I think Colin said the store itself sold more than it did the previous year. So, so you know, a little bit coming out of COVID, a good yeah. sign for the places that I want to continue to exist. I want to see the restaurants right. full, comic book stores full. Back right. Back right. So, yeah, it was a good day. I got my uh, stack uh, of stuff and I sat down and read some of them. I even read some of the kids' ones because they're cute and fun sometimes. Yeah. And with Super Pets coming out, they had a Super Pets comic. It was cute. I, I like the cutesy art sometimes. 
that's one of the things I always liked about Scotty Young. It had that Calvin and Hobbes feel to it for me. Yeah, it was a good day. We had a good time. Very cool. So. I like I said, I didn't go over there because they had scheduled conflicts or anything. I went over there because it's just tough for me. I need and it's almost like a little bit of triple A, no double A. You know what I mean? Walk on the other side of the street. Go don't go to a place where you're gonna recapture the addiction, the weakness. And and <laughs> I don't I don't think of it that way. It's been a joy all of my life, but I know that I, I really did make a very concerted decision to stop, and I don't know that I'm ready to start up again. And that might have been, I'll have to check it out, though. I'll have to, oh, I, I just, uh, I missed, I missed being, like, for instance, at Carol and John's, they had Jim Shooter. Like, oh. how did I not go talk to Jim wow. Shooter? You know what I mean? He's not always done the best stuff, but he is absolutely essential to the industry in terms of how many things he changed and started. And, and a giant, he was working when he was like 14 years old or something, yeah. right? His first um, Legion of Superhero stuff was when he was a punk. And yet they were good stories. And so he has comics in his blood. Oh, I just. Yeah. Uh, and while we were there, we heard, God, forgive me. I forget the name, but. George Perez. Yes. yes. While we're at free comic book day, we, we hear about George him. Perez passing. It's like, ah, yeah. and Neil Adams earlier in the week. Exactly. So it, at the Comic-Con is where I heard about Neil Adams. And I just, it's, it's really, wow. In the same way we just talked about like our artist heroes, music wise. We really are getting to where guys that have been drawing already 45 years of comics, they're 60s and 70s, and maybe they're like human beings like us. They're going to yeah. get their share of cancer and lung right. things. And so, oh, no. Oh, no. Which, how much now would you pay to uh, put a VR goggle on to witness a George Predge signing and talking? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go know, again. <laughs> I'm just going to do a sketch, a real quick sketch, and yet it's perfect. Yeah. He was one of those guys that really could like, was incredibly prolific and could do not sketch it and then redo it and fix it. He was just like perfect off of his pen again and again. He right. was an amazing. Artist. Yeah. So he, he's one of the artists that I was out of comics and stuff for a while, work and kids and whatever. And I picked up the final crisis and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this art is amazing. Wow. George Perez. So. Right. Right. I really, I, I'm one of those guys. I loved him early on when he was first doing Fantastic Four and various other things. And then, as you know, he got that reputation for, and, and w perfectly so, he's the guy that drew those big team up. Yeah. He's the one that drew, if there's going to be a book that has multiple characters, Teen Titans or JLA or, or Avengers, give it to him because he really will have 10, 20 characters on the page and they'll all look distinct and they'll, there really will be human expressions on them and there'll be the powers will be correct, the uniforms will be correct, the costumes. You know what I mean? Like, he... As opposed to some people that are really known for one particular Gene Cole, and I still think of very much as the Daredevil artist, maybe the Tomb of Dracula artist, but he wasn't the guy to give the authority and have him draw all of the big team conflict, if you will. Perez was that guy. Yeah. So when they had Crisis on Infinite Earth, when they had the JLA Avengers crossover, he was the go-to guy. And it wasn't like, because he earned it. And then when he did it, he knocked it out of the park. Right. The artwork was beautiful. Boy, there's a run on Avengers where that everybody talks about when it's he drew the perfect Ultron. He drew the it doesn't it he just no matter what character it was, it was like, did he do the definitive edition of a hundred different characters? The right. perfect Iron Man, the perfect Wonder Man, the perfect just he was the guy that had it in him to say what makes this character what he is. And if I'm gonna draw a dragon man, I'm gonna make him that he really looks like a dragon. That kind of thing. Yep. High quality art. 
time after yeah. time, panel after panel. People that exactly say, oh, that's good stuff, man. You gotta see some of this. <laughs> right. It's beautiful. It's realistic. It's it, it has emotion. Yeah. It draws you through the story. Wow. A big yep. loss. And we didn't talk enough about Neil Adams, really. Right. He was. He's to me, he's not so much the go-to guy. He's more of a stylist. Nobody else looked like Neil Adams. So much was his good stuff for comic for Batman and for let's see, some X-Men and stuff like that, that other people actually imitated his style because right. it was shown to be a fan favorite kind of both style, of angular and energetic and yeah you know both of them some of the younger artists that, that their influences it shows sometimes, and they'll say it is who yeah. it was green lantern and green arrow not only drawing the superheroes but drawing in their journey across the united states that he really drew all different kinds of scenes city scenes and desert scenes and everything just so it really felt dry when you were in the desert <laughs> you know what i mean and, as usual we talk about many topics none of which are what we plan on talking <laughs> most of the time. We, we got through it well, i don't know i think we did the, the free comic book day we got through doctor yeah. we got through a bunch of stuff we, yeah, we intended did. <laughs> we, and we actually segued correctly instead of oh oh we forgot this We're gonna get to it. <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to run out of total time but i'm really curious you mentioned going into our health segment of today's episode you mentioned your experience now with a glucose pump so let's talk about that why you have one what they do and what what you're looking at here right and actually sorry not a glucose pump but a glucose monitor monitor i'm it's, sorry it's a continuous one exactly so what it is is i'm uh, uh pre-diabetic and but i'm right on the edge of your a1c which is your long-term blood sugar is too high i want it to be at less than seven less than 6.5 if I can. And and between the last time and this time doing my blood work, I actually crept upward. And I actually have been eating, I thought, relatively healthy, haven't been doing enough exercise, haven't been eating perfectly. And one of the worst things you want to do if you're pre-diabetic is advance towards actually having. So they prescribed to me uh, what's called a Libra 2. It's a little, in fact, I, I because it came off early, it's this little guy. It's a little disc wow. that actually adheres to your um, body. They put it like right here on your the bottom of your arm so it's not in the way it's not real not noticeable it does have a little filament that goes into you it's not a needle it's more of a um, plastic i think but that enables it to continually take samples of your blood and it works with an app on your phone so that you it holds up this guy itself holds up to eight hours of data so you can every, you know, every eight hours or so you put your phone up to it and beep boop it does it by Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, I'm not sure which. I have to, I'd like to know the specs. And then you get all the various different readings and charts of what your blood sugar has just, been like. Just like the uh, watches we always talk about. Exactly. And that's my next Apple Watch will have even more of those capabilities. What really helped for me this one was it isn't I wasn't doing it every eight hours. I really wanted to do as you have done, watch what I'm eating and see what eating or activities, how it affects my blood glucose yes. over the course of the day. 200 to 80, if I remember that are the safe places where you're not hyperglycemic or hypoglycemic. And so I don't want to go into a, a coma and I don't want to go manic or whatever. I was, um, I was startled, not so much by, I knew that certain things weren't good for me. I, don't, I can't have, I had a couple potato chips, not a ton. And boom, I had the spike that I think you've mentioned you get from mashed potatoes. Yes. And so I really can never have those again. What I've been doing with it is, trying things that are part of my usual diet and not an everyday diet, but I have them often enough that I'm curious. So for instance, popcorn does not do that. 
there's right. enough fiber and other roughage that it's absorbed more slowly. It's not only a simple carbohydrate, but potato chips are just like mainlining carbohydrate sugars. It gets quickly turned into that. And I went, we, I had some sushi and I'm like, sushi, well, that's fresh fish. And I'm going to have very careful. No, sushi is surrounded by rice. Rice is a perfect, simple carbohydrate. Yes. So certain things that I saw spice from, it's like, I'm really going to have to like not do that. I can't do those. I can't even do one or two pieces because it's enough compared to everything else that I'm usually eating, my fruits and veggies and fats and proteins, that I really need to be careful about it. But then, and it's, I like gamifying what I'm eating. Whereas I've last, for the last 24 hours, I was, I started off probably the first day, I was like 72% in. That sucks. So I, as I worked with it for this last 10 days, I got to where I was consistently in the 90s, 92, 96. And on the last day before he petered out, I think he fell off because I went out like mowing the lawn and doing out things. And apparently I have ultra sweat as a big guy. So he, Dissolving sweat. <laughs> like that, he came off. And, and four days early, they're supposed to be good for two weeks. So I'm going to have to think about the next time. It's a prescription. You go in and get another one. And I think I have to find out whether I can apply it to myself or whether I have to go to an office where they actually, there's a little delivery mechanism that kind of shoots it at you so that the filament penetrates correctly. Right. You don't want that bending or anything weird. And so I'm going to, I like the fact that I'm getting feedback that's giving me a better feel and control than ever before of, you're going to try to back away from being a diabetic. Here's how you have to do it. You yeah. have to avoid certain things. You have to add more exercise because you can see that exercise does indeed take you down. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I've got myself a better feedback loop than I've ever had. And it really might be that my, I have an old watch, Apple watch, it, that it has features like your Fitbit. And I should have been doing this all along. Now, really, what I should do is if I can do this, can I not have to wear the Libra? Because this is going to be doing it for me. And, and I guess I like the fact that medics technology is making it that I'm not having to do finger sticks. I so much never wanted to get to that place of having to keep track of my right. little plunger and then a little drop of blood and all that kind of stuff. I kind of am happy that they're finding out how to look at your blood through, through your pulse, your fingertip, that kind of stuff. And that it's not only um, dia diabetes and so forth, because I've had other things now, having had atrial fibrillation and flutter, I, I do have a guy that monitors that and it's never detected that. So it really is that whatever I got done to fix it, the ablation and the cardio version have worked and continue to work and I haven't reverted. And so it's, that's a really heartening thing as you move into your 60s and it's not like, I'm a fucking wreck ready to break down on the road. <laughs> no, I actually am in okay shape. I just need to not do my own damage. You're not going to be a good driving car if you pour sand into your gas tank. Don't right. do that. You know what I mean? And, so, <laughs> And I think, first of all, a lot of people need to understand. I know we've talked about this. But people say, oh, your blood sugar. Then people start thinking, and they've thought for decades, oh, if you eat anything with sugar, that you can't do that. But I've seen people like, oh, I can't have a Snickers, but then they'll eat a whole plate of mashed potatoes. And right, right. that's not it. It's it, they really now focus on carbohydrate because sugars are a carbohydrate, but beer is also a big carbohydrate and rice, like you said, and things like that. So in actuality, we talk about the data. We're, we're geeky nerd people. We want the data. And my right. doctor and uh, Gina were uh, uh, like, oh, don't get so up, be manic about it. Like you said, but no, I'm just trying to find out the data so I know what I can eat, when I can eat it, and how much. Because for me, 
I can go to Dairy Queen and get a medium chocolate cone dipped in cherry, like my favorite, and that does not spike my blood sugar nearly as much as a blizzard. And if so I eat you, a, it's the, you, you know what you can handle instead yes. of being no to everything. No, exactly. What, what is that? You know, right. So, and yeah. like you said, the rice and the mashed potatoes. If I eat a a couple scoops of mashed potatoes, yeah, it, it'll be up two ten. Easy. But if I eat that chocolate cone dipped in cherry, it'll maybe be 160, maybe. But if I have really watched my carbs for the rest of the day and I've gotten some good vigorous exercise in, oh, it's only 130. So that you got to have the data to back up what and know what you need. People just, oh, I can't have candy bars. Okay, but you just ate a whole bag of potato chips. You should check right, your blood sugar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what i'm looking for it isn't only also the spike it's the recovery and how quickly it was my body is not so insulin resistant that it doesn't know how to handle that oh you put some sugar in your bloodstream i'll put some insulin in and i I, the whole point of being non-diabetic is you don't want your body's insulin response to get so compromised that it can't do that anymore right start taking artificial insulin which is a terrible road it's a difficult have to do it all the time, can't travel without worrying about it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I'm so much wanting to avoid that. And so I don't think I'm doing the thing where it's like, how much can I cheat? It's not how close to the edge can I come? It's more like, right, I already had some pretty good habits. So for instance, I know I should be eating fruits, veggies, and so forth. Berries, good. Watermelon, not so much. Some things have a real direct effect and others are not. And so it's like, oh, I just, I have watermelon once a month instead of weekly, even though the summer is cup. Or, or. You're thinking ahead, oh, Memorial Day is coming. I know we're getting together with family. We're going to have a buffet of all the stuff. Yeah. And 90% of that stuff is bad. <laughs> you shouldn't Summer eat. Food. So exactly. you think ahead a little bit, then I know for the, the rest of the day, I'm going to really be careful and what. I'm not going to have these things. Instead of grabbing a, a Coke, maybe I'll take some unsweetened tea to drink to balance that. Exactly. I really want some of this macaroni salad. So I'm not going to have a big plate of uh, the mashed potatoes or potato chips because right. I really, yes, it sucks. But you hey, it, yeah. yeah, you got to What's the alternative? You start uh, gangrening your limbs and getting them cut off. You go blind. Bedridden, See, exactly. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, and that it's kind of funny. I almost complainingly talk about how I'm relatively asymptomatic. If I had the, hey, I have a numb toe. Man, we talk about a wake-up call. I'm not losing that toe. I'm not doing that. And so I'm unhappy that it hasn't evidenced itself, but I'm also, because I would be more serious about it, but I really am happy that so far I have managed it enough so that I have no retinopathy, no extensions, you know, no uh, extremities, nothing in the fingers or the toes, all the, all the ways in which it can complicate your life. Diabetes plus obesity plus heart things is like, just kill me. You know what I mean? I'm combating all of those things. Uh, I've always been a big guy and I've always had a lot of animal strength so that none of what I've been through has ever stopped us from going hiking up a mountain. I really don't have heart problems or I'm going to have a stroke, but I have things that are just, they're not quite right. And I need to tune them as opposed to get a new heart or something like that. But I'm willing to do a lot to not have to get a new heart, right. to not have to shut my pancreas down and things like that. I and there's so many, like you said, popcorn is a great alternative. Uh, and I like popcorn. I put a little flavoring on it. Tastes great. Got to watch the sodium because those things have lots of salt, which bad. But then there's things like 
chickpeas, garbanzo beans. We roast them, dry them out, put seasoning, oil and seasoning on those. Nice and crunchy. But I don't feel like, okay. yeah, I don't feel like pretzels because I've got these to eat. And right. chickpeas are wonderful if you're diabetic. So how many things can I put chickpeas in every time right. on my salad? And beans all kinds and of lunch. Yeah, that, that, I'll tell you, of course, my, my biggest foolishness is I still do fast food much more often than I should. And not every day because I usually do it like if I'm out running errands, uh, when I'm out right. grocery shopping or returning books to the library. But even then, it's well, if you just stayed home and had a can of beans, had a salad, had something safer than that, it would do so much benefit. So this last week, I had it like twice instead of three, four, five times. And I don't know that I want to wean myself totally off of it, but I really, seeing that also, you can't have a sandwich without buns. And those buns are not like whole wheat, yum bogan buns. They're empty calories, empty carbs. And so I need to work on that. I need to work on where can I get things. For instance, I can't, I used to think that if I go to Subway and Chipotle, I can control the ingredients going on, except Chipotle is wrapped in a big burrito shell and you know subway has got a big old bun and and i haven't gotten to that thing of i'll open it up and just eat the inside i need to right salad at those places for people that aren't diabetic to understand this and if you have a good doctor they talk to you about this and they, they explain it the mindset the the whole the overall health is what they go for they're like if you're going to drive yourself crazy and irritable and all that because yeah. you didn't have fast food once last week that's not worth it either. Mental health is just as important in your lifestyle and thing. And, but sometimes you have to understand and know. So I don't have a problem when we go out and grab fast food. I just know, okay, I'm telling myself I need a bigger salad and avoid any type of carbs for dinner. And maybe after dinner, we go for a walk. So I get just a little more exercise in yeah. for the day. So you can take care and compensate. And again, I know people that are like, oh, that's too much work. I don't, but that's your choice. Then if you weren't following this, you knew you were pre-diabetic, you didn't follow anything. Don't ask for my sympathy. I'm sorry to sound that's crass, right. when you're in a chair because you have lost a foot, please. I don't, I won't have much. sympathy. I know people that like my father, he can watch it. He can do all the things and it's still dropped or spikes. And so he's like, screw it. Why do I care? It's going to do it anyway. But okay. he's a little bedridden now, but he hasn't lost any fingers or toes. And he's had diabetes for 40 some years. The wow. fact that he's still alive is a, a attribute to our modern medical science. That's true too. So, and at, and, 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 I don't know, just, I guess, two more minutes as a closer, what did I discover? You know, I'm taking a so like metformin. That's the first line yes, of for diabetes. And it really does help usually. to lower your A1C. And then I take, I've been taking Jardiance. That's in particular good for diabetes, and especially if you had any kind of heart complications. And I've not had a, a, a stroke or a heart attack, but I have had my atrial fibrillation and flutter. And so this is something that helps to guard against further occurrences of that. Metformin is a long-time drug, and it's available generically, and I get it for 80 cents. Right. Jardiance is not. It's still fully owned by, and I should know the company's name, Buglicher Heimlin or something like that. And... It's a wonder drug and wonder costs money. So when I had insurance type stuff until my insurance deductible is met for the year, I pay for prescriptions to Jardians are like $1,500 for three months, 500 bucks a month. You know what I mean? It's a lot. It's 20, 
whatever, uh, let's see, 17 cents, a, I'm sorry, $17 a day per pill. And I want to live. I want the best stuff. I want this. But you don't want to be in a cardboard box under the bridge while you're doing it. <laughs> I, I sure am healthy on the way to the poorhouse. You know what I mean? And we, we always talk, Colleen and I are okay. We're going to be safe. But there's still something that just really, I just don't want to pay that much. It's, there's other, so what I did the research, you, that's the price in the United States. You can buy things around the world by the same manufacturer for lesser money. And what I, I, by doing the research, I didn't want to get, they say they're the same manufacturer, but they farm it out to a company in Mauritius or India or Turkey, where it's not guaranteed to really be the right drug at the right potency and the, the cleanliness and standards and all the efficacy that if the, our FDA has, it's really good to have that government agency that says they can't sell stuff. It's just snake oil. They can't fool right. you, if you will. Canada has its own CDA, if you will, you know what I mean, compared to ours. And so I found a place that not only deals in Canada-made drugs from the manufacturer, but a pharmacy that isn't just a fly-by-night place, but actually has a street address and so forth, but does have a web presence. And I'm not getting anything through uh, insurance now, but the cost is like $313 instead of $15. Wow. I'm saving $1,200 on each of my prescriptions. $300 for 90 days a pill is still 30 cents a pill, but compared to $17 of, did I do the math? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's just uh, amazing. And so of course it really is everybody. If you want to deal with Canadian cloud pharmacy, they really have all kinds of things that are in this weird bracket of there's no generic equivalent. You have to get it from the manufacturer, but it's Canadian made. So it's not the United States price gouging that we have. And of course, you know, my takeaway, my experience from all this is how in the world are we in the richest country in the world with all of the med tech and all of the, uh, the discovery of these things that's being done, but we don't have enough concern for our citizens or enough care from our government to have negotiated a price that Medicare, Medicaid, and therefore the entire industry knows what this really should cost. You don't have to maximize your profits on everything, especially if it's really like a life-altering drug, and yet I'm in that pinch point of, they're not going to lower their price until they have. They're not right. going to lower it for the first 17 well, years that they get to be on patent. And then it'll be in that reasonable statin price and you know, metformin price and whatever I've taken in the past that is longstanding drugs instead of newly developed. Right. I want medical research to continue. I want new miracles to be found. I'm not saying that, that they shouldn't be expensive in some way. But I am saying that if you're really looking at a capitalist economy, like there are forces in the capitalist economy that should bring prices down to where it's really the kind of true cost based on marginal cost and utility and so forth. And that isn't happening in the United States as long as we don't have our biggest buyers, meaning Medicare, Medicaid, and big insurance providers negotiating strong, bring that price. Be, because that's There's a, a cabal. There. That's the <laughs> perfect example. We want our capitalist society. We want to be able to have that American dream of making money, of running our own business, of living our life, blah, blah, blah. The opposite of that is if you're the guy making the only drug that works for this particular thing, you get to set the price. And it's like, you can get mad and upset about it, but that's built into our system. That's what we say you can do. There's not saying it's right, not saying there, there shouldn't be that's part of our problem. Plus the other problem, which you mentioned, like the insurance, 
they get the kickback. Well, if you tell people to use our drug, we'll give you so much money and then we make this much money. And so everybody's like, oh, good. We'll help each other out. Now, even right. better. The, the, and the Dimmy, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm a reasonable consumer. I want to know what's the trade off. So, like, how much am I, I? I'm a consumer reports guy, right? Here's all the various different lawnmowers, and I can get the top of the line perfect lawnmower for a thousand bucks. I can get something that does 80% of what the top line does for half that price if I shop around and find the right one. And they tell you that. They look at all the things and say, right. this guy has 80, 90% of the capability, but for much less price. And that's almost always what I do. I go to that second, third, fourth down the list, and I don't need the premiere. Hardly ever do I need every single gadget and capability. I need to have it be that it's the value, the cost per capability. And so applying it to this, if I find out that so here's the various different drugs that are available for diabetes, and this one will lower your A1C by um, 0.5 to 1, this one will do it from 0.2 to 0.5, but it is a third of the cost of the first one. I might actually take that lesser benefit and get off my ass and go exercise in order to save a thousand dollars. Right. And yet that's not the conversation that you have with your doctor. They don't give you all enough information unless you really look into this and find out how do each of these drugs work and what's the expected efficacy of them and right. what's the expected cost. And then I've got uh, what's the dollar per lowering of my A1C. And this one's the bargain not the, the best one, but I don't necessarily need the best one. I could even get three of the lesser ones if they'll give me three. But you know what I'm trying to say? I don't want it to be that I'm not at all in the decision. Don't just right. prescribe something for me and then find out, like you said, that maybe there's a little bit of, we got a deal between UHHS and, you know, Smith well, O'Kine that says we support this drug fully. I, I don't think it's really conspiratorial like that, but I do know that there is enough of that how do they sell these drugs? They don't sell them to the consumers. I guess I take it back. Nowadays, you can't get on TV without seeing every, ask your doctor about XYZ. Right. And a number of them are these Ozempic and all these diabetes drugs. So then you have a an uninformed consumer going in and saying, give me some of that Ozempic. It's like, that's not right for your condition because, and, and I don't want to waste <laughs> Google time doctors like that. I'm not, I'm not just going to like quackery.com to find this stuff out. But I like being involved in my care, and I like. You tell me there really is a quackery.com. <laughs> I gotta go look that up now. But but, but you know, just the, as a, a little example, do you really think that there's a, a coincidence that we don't we're not pushing electric cars and these alternative fuel cars in America, and the fact that most of our politicians make money from uh, oil. The uh, thing, there's no like thing connected there. <laughs> that, honestly, that huh, the reason that I have ongoing suspicion is because if not exactly with this drug and this company, it is so rife in so many other places that you worry about our, our 500 people that are in Congress that are getting all those lobbyists and all those kickbacks and all that money that they really aren't making the best decisions for 330 million people. Right. They're making the best decision for them. Yeah, and it's galling to find out how many examples there are, drug companies and the oil companies and the financial companies and everything else, that there's very few decisions that are being based on science and trade-offs like I'm talking about. Or what's good for the country as a for the, the one versus the many. Oh. We, we saw it in Spock. Come on, Star Trek again right. predicted this. Exactly. Just, and it happens so often that after a while, it's, 
well, that's just the price of doing business. No, it's not. Every time that you get, I am an, I'm an investor. I want a reasonable return on my investment. Let's say it, it, throughout the course of time, it's 7%. Well, you might take on more risk and try to get to the 20s and 30s. You might take the solid 4% for your blue chips and utilities and whatever else it might be. And then when you find out that the investments that the lobbyists make into how much they're willing to bribe these various different peoples are not 20 or 30%, they're 500,000%. Even if they pay these guys $100 million to get this sweetheart thing written into some law in one of these big budget packages, they get hundreds of billions of dollars, skillions, trillions. It's just amazing the return that they get for every sweetheart deal, every cut out and set aside and specifically named thing that benefits such a specific company because they were the ones that were cunning enough to bribe the right guy. And that mass level of corruption is crazy making. And yet we sure have gotten to that place every time you read the, the Panama Papers and find out just how much money has been spirited out of the system by the corruption, not by we made a mistake, not by that experiment didn't work out, but that level of 100% corruption is built into everything. Why do we have trouble balancing the budget and keeping Social Security flowing? Not necessarily because we don't know how to do interest. And it's because there's continual, let's lower the wealth. So here's the tech Uh, solution. Here's how we talk tech. First of all, you have new tech on your arm and you can monitor this. So keep healthy and you you use tech to keep healthy and that when you don't have to pay them those big money and all that and go see these great movies and support the great movies so you get the entertainment and ten dollars i can go to another universe where this shit doesn't yes exactly there might be technical beasties (laughs) and and you can visit the world and connect with people through vr goggles and now we've tied everything up for the day (laughs) exactly you know honestly colleen and i often say that What's the best solution is just how do we get them to leave us alone? How do we not participate in as many corrupt systems as possible? And that's yeah. protect yourself with money, protect yourself with health. Exactly work remotely about. and you're, you're not, you know, <laughs> contributing to the oil and gas. That's right, too. Exactly. Oh. All Perfect. right. There we are. Right. We solved the world's problems for the week. Hey, once again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Okay. Take care, Stephen. I'll talk to you week. later. Okay. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.